The Wiz Kids had won it, Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born, marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Feller, the scooter, the barber, and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Hello. We've got a really interesting talk for you guys today. Um, we're going to start with um, Ken Griffey Jr.'s background. He was the, uh, you know, junior, the kid. He played 22 years in ball, mostly with the Marins, a little bit with the Reds, a little bit with the White Sox. And um, he's the Hall of Fame and a 13-time All-Star. Um, he has 630 homers, making him the seventh most in history. And he also has 10 Gold Glove Awards as center fielder, which is tied for the record of most, and is tied for the record for most of seven games with a home run. Eight with Don Mattingly and Del Long. Um, is known for his Nike shoes, which I wish I had a pair of. You can't find them now. <laughs> um, and he's arguably one of the most popular players of all time. He popularized the backwards ball cap. Mm -hmm. And I had so many coaches that hated it, but Griffey made it cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, that was his style. He was number one overall by the Mariners in 1987, signing bonus of $160,000. Um, he joined the Bellingham Mariners of the North West League, Class A short season, made his pro debut in 19, June of 1987. And um, 54-game 50, season, he hit 313, led the team with 14 dingers, 40 ribbies, and 13 steals. Mm -hmm. Baseball America named him the league's number one major league prospect. 98, he, or 88, he joined the San Bernardino Spirit Class A advance. 58 games, 338, 11 dingers, 42 ribbies, 32 stolen sacks. And he was promoted to Vermont late in the season at the Class AA Eastern League, where he played 17 games, 279, 10 ribbies. Um, 1989, he came up with Seattle, and in his 11 seasons there, 89 to 99, which is going to go past what we're talking about today, he was one of the most prolific, exciting players of the era, with 1,752 hits, 398 home runs, 1,152 RBIs, and 167 stolen sacks, and he led the American League in home runs four seasons, 94, 97, 98, and 99, and he was the AL MVP in 97. And his career batting average was 297. In short, he was the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> you could almost call him Mr. Mariner to this day. Well, Ichiro's kind of might have taken that title. But yeah. up until his time, you could have called him Mr. Mariner. Yeah, I mean, nobody captured, overall, nobody captured 90s baseball other than King Griffey Jr. So we're not going to talk much about his defense either in this episode because this is an offense episode because chicks take the long ball obviously right. we're talking about 98 but, uh, race. Yep. he 10 straight gold gloves enough said about his defense yep another character we're going to talk about in this episode is going to be the one the only Mr. Mark McGuire damn right former Huntsville star and y'all know us we're from Huntsville, Alabama yep 
former Huntsville star. He was there at the same time Canseco was. They're called them the Parkway Bombers. Um, first baseman, obviously. He played from he played from 86-2001 with Oakland and the Cardinals, winning two World Series championships, one with each. Mm-hmm. Um, he won with Oakland as a player in 89 and as a hitting coach in St. Louis in 2011. Mm-hmm. He's one of the greatest home run hitters of all time. Career batting average 263, 583 home runs, 1,414 ribbies. Um, and me and Matt were talking about this, about whether or not he was still coaching. He has not coached in the major league since 2018. He's probably just taking it easy. But uh, probably <laughs> got money. I don't have to worry about it. But he was a 12-time All-Star from 87 to 92 and then 95 to 2000. Mm-hmm. Rookie of the Year in 1987 with Oakland. Won a gold glove in 90. I believe that was with Oakland. Three-time Silver Slugger, 92, 96, 98. I believe the 92 was with Oakland, the 96, 98 would be with the Cardinals. That's correct. No, no, 96. He got traded to the Cardinals midway through the 97 season. Okay, so 92, 96, he was the AL Silver Slugger mm-hmm. for first baseman. Five-time home run leader, 87, and then 96, 97, 98, 99. Mm-hmm. The RBI leader in 99. He's in the Athletics and Cardinals Hall of Fame, and he's on MLB's All-Century team. He should be, yeah. And he's a guy that's probably not getting in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Although me and Matt were talking about before this episode, he probably deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. He's 11th all-time in the Major League with home runs at 583. Led the Major Leagues five times and set the Major League record for home runs hit in a four-season period from 96 to 99 with 245. That's an obscure stat. I'm not sure how to check if somebody's beat that. The only person I think could have might have been Barry. Probably. That would be my guess. Either walk or get a hit home run. Kind of how he went. Yeah. <laughs> especially against the Braves. Um, but he had a career of 394 OBP, so he was willing to take a walk. And this was before the um, intentional walk was used the way it was in the Barry Bonds days. Mm-hmm. And then um, that's about what there is up until 1998 with McGuire. And then um, Sammy Sosa is going to be another person we're going to cover in this episode. So I'm pretty sure y'all are aware of where we're getting to now. Um, Sammy Sosa was born in 1968 in the Dominican Republic. He's, uh, he played 19 major league seasons, mostly with the Cubs. He came up with the Rangers and the White Sox. He joined the Cubs in 92 and became regarded as one of the game's best hitters. His 400th home run came in his 1,354th game, his 5,273rd at bat. And um, they, that's the fastest anybody in baseball has ever done that. He's one of nine players in history to hit 600 career home runs. Mm-hmm. And um, that's about what it was before him, before he became into the national spotlight in 1998. So if y'all haven't put it together yet, what Matthew and I are going to talk about today is the 1998 home run race. And if you grew up with, you know, if you grew up in the 90s like Patrick and I did, you know that 98 was a magical season. For Major League Baseball and I guess in America in general, you know. I really think what 1998 home run race did for baseball is what Tiger did for golf. Mm -hmm. Because you have to understand, four years removed, four years before that, they had the strike. Major League Baseball was at an all-time low in popularity because of that, among other things. But 94 strike didn't help much. So the 98 home run race was a good way to for baseball to 
get back into the American consciousness once again as it always had before the NFL in the 60s. You know, before the Super Bowl happened in the 60s. Um, so, 98, this was a big year, you know. Uh, going into the 98 season, so I have a book about the 98 home run season. It's called McGuire and Sosa, Baseball's Greatest Home Run Story. It doesn't say who wrote the book, but it's published by Carlton Press. Uh, I would recommend it if you ever want to read about it. I mean, it's just afforded by George Vexy, who wrote a biography on Stan Usual. But, um, that's not the book me and you talked about me having at my parents' house. So I, I need to go get it. Okay, so that's a different book. Yeah, yeah it's an actual day-by-day, 400-page. Yeah, that's... Now, this book does a day-by-day, as in, like, it goes... It starts from, you know when Mark hit his first home run and when Sammy hit his first home run. And it goes from there, and there's, like, quotes. The one I have, it sets the weather. It sets the pitching matchups. It sets it all, and the scout reports. But yeah. But that's like, a very good visual book that Matthew is talking about. But, He's but, flipping through the pages right now. Yeah, and it shows pictures of both the guys throughout the season. It talks about when they hit their home runs and who they hit it off of, where it was. How far it went, you know. I mean, this is very informative. It's not a epic three-volume biography like Connie Mack or anything like that. But it's a good book, good pictorial book that anybody can read, whether you're a kid or an old person or in between. And I would recommend it if you ever can find it. Again, I don't know who offered it because this didn't say, but it's by Carlton Press. I'm sure you can find it on. I'm sorry, Carlton Books. That's what's called Carlton Books. And I'm sure you can find it on Amazon. But uh yeah, I mean it's so basically when we're gonna go through this, I'm we're gonna I'm gonna look through the book and talk about, you know, where we are going through the book. So So before the nineteen ninety eight season, there were several players in the nineties that had come close to breaking the record. Mm-hmm. Nineteen ninety four you're talking about was cut short by a labor strike. Yep. Matt Williams of the Giants. I think I sent you a picture of his plaque when I was in San Francisco a month and a half ago. You did. I remember Matt Williams. Um, and Ken Griffey of the Mariners were both on page, on pace to beat the record. Yeah. They had 43 and 40 home runs respectively in a 162-game season that was shortened into 112 games. Yeah. So those 50 games, either one of them could have possibly done it. Yeah. And then 1995, after the strike, Albert, became, Albert Bell became the first player since – Cecil Filler, Filler. Yep. A bunch of the Huntsville people here will know um, Prince Filler, his son. Played for the Stars. Played for the Stars yep. and then the Brewers. The fattest man to ever hit inside the park a home run, probably. <laughs> um, and um, Albert Bell, he hit 50 in a season. But he was only the fourth player in the last 30 years to hit 50. George Foster in 77 and Willie Mays in 65. Yeah. Not a lot of people. And then 96, Brady Anderson. I remember oh, him. Orioles. He's managed since then, I feel like. I don't remember. I'm sure he has. Um, but he hit 50. Twice the number he hit in any other season. Which kind of makes you think about the steroid era leaning in here. Yeah, it's like, that's just an odd odd season for him. We're going to double down. And um, one more note was Mark McGuire. He hit a league-leading 52 runs in 1996 while only playing 130 games. Yeah, that's impressive. And then 97 featured McGuire and Griffey, but, Griffey, but neither – even got close to 50 that year, but they were the two guys that thought everybody thought they had a chance. And it was during that season that full-fledged interest over the record kicked in because both were on record pace in the middle of the summer. Okay, I, was, I, I, mis, I misspoke. McGuire finished with 58, and Griffey had 56. 
And that was the first time that I really had home run right. paranoia about somebody's actually going to break Roger Maris's streak. Yeah. And then the next year, obviously, that's what we're talking about, all hell broke loose. Yeah. I mean, in the book, it says about briefly about McGuire, going into the 1998 season, Mark McGuire was almost expected to break the home run record of Roger Maris because of the way he had been threatening to do it for a decade. McGuire had the pedigree of a home run champion, although not as early as one might think. When children asked him if he hit a lot of home runs in Little League, he said he was all right, not great. I wonder why. Is he being humble, or is he um, not going to admit to certain things that were possibly allegedly done? Again, this is <laughs> yeah. It could be either way. Again, this is '98, but and you know he played he played college ball at the Southern USC. For the legendary Ronda Doe, and of course, if you know college baseball history, like I do to an extent, Ronda Doe was one of the best college baseball coaches of all time. So he got Tulich from that, and then of course, you know, A's, A's drafted him, you know, and came up through Huntsville because they were the Double A farm club for the A's, and you know, and Mark McGuire will always have a soft spot in Huntsville along with Jose Canseco. Steroids or no steroids, they. They will always have a soft spot for Huntsville people. So, absolutely. So, if Mark Willis listened to this, we love you, Mark. <laughs> um, and looking into this more, I saw I saw that um, even Major League Baseball knew that Mark McGuire had a chance at this record, mm-hmm. and they actually promoted him coming into the season in an effort to draw the fans back from the strike mm-hmm. and the cancellation of the World Series that year. Mm-hmm. They promoted even in the spring training. Mark McGuire is going to hit a lot of home runs this year. Be a Mark McGuire fan. Be right. a McGuire fan. Yeah, I've got a McGuire jersey hanging in my closet because of that summer. Yeah, and it's like you you know Major League Baseball promoted this guy, and then like, of course, going ahead once the steroid thing happened, they just kind of dumped him with everybody else. So just kind of like that's a that's a dick move. I don't care. That's a dick move, man. Don't don't do that. And the best part is they thought it was going to be Griffey McGuire. It wound up being Griffey McGuire and Sammy. Right. Nobody, honestly, I don't think many people thought Sammy was going to be in there. But again, we're, you know. And all but two days of the season, Mark McGuire was on pace. All but two days. Two days of the entire season. His pace hit the lowest of 58.9 home runs on the season on May 7th after he, hit, after he went five games without hitting a home run. Wow. Not five games without a hit. Five games without a home run. Yeah. So, let's start with Mark's first home run. It's opening day, March 31st, 1998, at St. Louis at the old Bush Stadium, the circular cookie-cutter Bush Stadium. 360-foot dinger off of Ramon Martinez. Yep, against uh, the Los Angeles. That's Pedro Martinez's brother. Is it really? I believe that's Pedro's brother. He played for the Dodgers, kind of like Pedro did. And that was number one. It was a 1-0 count. And You're was, correct, and he is currently a senior advisor for the Orioles in Latin America. Awesome, yeah. It was a 1-0 count, and I believe it was a grand slam because he got four RBIs out of that. That should be a grand slam. It was the fifth inning of the ball game. And then he continues to hit. He hits one on April 2nd against the Dodgers again. April 3rd, he hits his third against the Padres, also at Bush Stadium. And then he hit two on April 4th. Yes, he hit two on April. No, he hit one on April fourth. He hit one on April fourth. But was, Sammy hit his first of the year on April fourth. Yes, so this is where Sammy comes in. 
Sammy hit his first home run of the year on April 4th. By that time, McGuire has four home runs. It was against Sosa hit against the Montreal Expos pitcher Mark Valdez at Wrigley Field, and it went 371 feet. And that put the home run total McGuire four, Sosa one. Right. Now, as I talked with Patrick before we started this podcast, last night I watched a video on YouTube. It wasn't the 30 for 30 that came out last year, Long Gone Summer. It was another documentary about the 98 home run race that came out that year, I think, or 99. And some people didn't, some, some people forget Vinny Castilla of the Rockies, who also played for the Braves. He was also in the hunt for the home run lead. I think he also at one point had more than McGuire during the season. I think he had like 11. Uh, you know, it, Vinny Castilla was up there in the race, and I completely forgot about Vinny. But obviously, nobody was thinking about Vinny Castilla near the end because once Sammy, you know, Sammy's getting hot. But anyway, the and then on Saturday, so after Mark McGuire hit his fourth home run, he didn't hit another one until April 14th. And he hit three home runs on April 14th. Five, six, and seven against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Two against Jeff Supon. And one against uh, Barry Manuel. And before that, on Saturday, April 11th, Sammy hit number two against the Expos. Right? The next day, on April 15th, Sammy hits number three. And then on April 17th, McGuire hits his eighth home run. And then... On April 21st, McGuire hit his ninth. Can we mention that at this point of April 21st mm-hmm. of that year, Ken Griffey Jr. had one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight by April 20th. And he had eight by April 20th. Okay. And he hit... Um, I mean, that's about the same as McGuire because he hit his ninth on April 21st. Yeah. And um, so he had nine because they started on the... Um, King Griffey season started on the 31st of March. So he had, at that point in April, he had 11 home runs. He was ahead of the race by a, a, a two games. Yeah. And then on April 23rd, Sammy hits number four. The next day on April 24th, Sammy hits number five. And then on Saturday, April 25th, McGuire hit his 10th home run. And then April 27th, Sammy hit his 6th. And then on April 30th, the last day of April, Mark McGuire hits number 11. So at the end of April, Mark McGuire 11, Sammy 6. King Griffey 11. And King Griffey 11. Now, King Griffey's not mentioned in the McGuire Sosa book, so... I'll let Patrick deal with his home I've got stats. it pulled up right now. He wound up with 56 on the year, so he was a few shy. He was about, what, half a dozen shy of where the other guys went. Right. Where Sammy landed, because Sammy wound up with, what, 62? 66. 66. So he was but, a dozen shy. But again, shy. 56 home runs is nothing to sneeze at. That is a Absolutely not. remarkable accomplishment, no matter who you are. It makes you wonder why the man got in the Hall of Fame unanimously. Yeah. So anyway, so... So, going through this story, we're going to go through home run by home run. I should have explained this before we started. We're going to go through home run by home run, and I'm doing McGuire and Sosa, and Patrick will do King Griffey, because I'm just going through my book that I own. So, as we said, at the end of April, 
Maguire 11, Sosa 6. Griffey 11. And Griffey 11. Thank you. May 1st, Maguire hits number 12 at Wrigley Field against Rod Beck of the Cubs. It went 362 feet. May 2nd, Ken Griffey Jr. I'm not sure if Sammy hit one today, but May 2nd, Ken Griffey Jr. hit another one. Right. And then, on, and then on May 3rd, Sammy hits number 7. Also at Wrigley Field, because Cardinals and the Cubs were playing that series. And then go down to May 8th, Mark McGuire hit number 13. On the 5th, going back a little bit. Okay. Um, Ken Griffey hit one against the White Sox. Okay. I don't have the distance, the details, the pitching, but he hit another one. That's that's fine. I mean, we're. I think people are more concerned about when and how many home runs at that point compared and when to when the race fades out. Right. You know, if anything spectacular like 500 home runs, or I'm sorry, 500 feet, we'll mention it. Um, so when did he? His next one was on the eighth, which oh. I think is when you said Sammy hit his next one. Yeah. Oh, Mark hit his Mark hit his next one on May eighth. It was number 13 at Shea Stadium against the Mets. That would be, that'd be uh, Griffey's 13th also. Right. Is there any... Against the Blue Jays. Against the Blue Jays. So the next one is May 12th. Is, does Griffey have another one between May 8th and 12th? He's got one on the 10th. Okay. Against the Blue Jays also. He hit... Um, he had a hell of a series, actually. Yeah. He took about... He took 11 at-bats, five singles. No. Six hits, two homers, and a triple. That's awesome. Kick butt. Uh, May 12th, Mark McGuire hit his 14th home run. And this hit 500, this went 527 feet. I believe that is the first McGuire home run of the season that went over 500 feet. Everything else was like 400, 300. This was the first to go 500. And this wouldn't be the last that season to go 500 feet. Two days later on April, uh, I'm sorry, two days later on May 14th against the Braves at Bush Stadium, he hits his 15th, Mark McGuire hits his 15th home run against Kevin Millwood. Another name I haven't thought about in a long, Jeez, long time. Too, yeah. there. Whenever we do these podcasts, whenever we read a name, there's going to be names throughout my life that I've completely forgot about. The nostalgia factor. It's a nostalgia factor. You know, like people I've seen on TV or have had baseball cards of, and then I forget about them all these years, and then you just remember them after reading their names. You may have cussed at them in the playoffs a couple times. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Saturday, April. I'm sorry. May, I keep saying April. May 16th. Saturday, May 16th. McGuire hits number 16 against LeVon Hernandez of the Marlins. You know, the, another name. the great. Pitching star of the 97 World Series. Great, great pitcher. But also that day, Sammy Sosa hits number eight. His eighth home run at uh, Synergy Field against the Reds. Against a guy named Scott Sullivan, who I didn't, I didn't know that one. Oh, I should have mentioned uh, the McGuire home run on May 16th went 545 feet. Well, there's a lot of people that can't drive a golf ball that far. Yeah, like I remember watching that documentary last night. You know, there were people in the in the upper decks of Bush Stadium with gloves on, you know, hoping to catch a Mark McGuire home run because they knew his balls would probably end up in the upper deck of Bush Stadium. There's a reason McDonald's made a deal right inside the um, left field foul pole for Big Mac Land. For Big Mac. Mark McGuire was Big Mac. 
Mm-hmm. Take Mac Land and get a lot of upper deck balls there. Yep. What about Griffey? I mean, we're on May 16th. He is not hitting until the 18th. Okay. May 18th. Monday, May 18th. McGuire hits number 17 against the Marlins, just like uh, just like on Saturday at Bush Stadium against Jesus Sanchez. And this only went 478 feet. So. And um, Griffey, I don't have the logistics on it, but he hit number 16. Against the Blue Jays again. At the Blue Jays. At the Blue Jays. May 19th. Tuesday, May 19th. They're playing the Phil- The Cardinals are playing the Phillies at Veterans Stadium. Which, another cookie-cutter stadium. But this time, this one has AstroTurf. But I'm not a big fan of cookie-cutter stadiums. But, again, that was the thing. It was an era of baseball. It was the era of baseball. Can't, cannot whitewash that. You got to talk about it. So, anyway, May 19th. McGuire hits... Three home runs that day, number 18, number 19, and number 20. And they all went like over 400 feet. First one was like 440, second one was 471, and the third one was 451. Um, his 19th one, he had an 0-2 count on him when he jacked it out in the fifth inning against... Somebody tried to beat him with the bender that didn't bend, probably. Yeah, that'd be my <laughs> guess, against Tyler Green. Never heard of that guy. And then the third, yeah, the second, the first, second, the 18th, 19th were on Tyler Green, and then the 20th was on Wayne Gomes. All right, what about? Did yeah. Sosa have any on those days? No, Sosa, like I said, Sosa got cold. Griffey hit number is either 17, 16 or 17 on the uh, 21st at the Rangers. Okay. Friday, May 22nd, McGuire hits number 21 at. Against the Giants at Bush Stadium. That same day, Sammy Sosa hits number nine against Greg Maddox at Turner Field against the Braves. Maddox had a 2 2 count on Sammy when he hit it with two outs in the first inning. So, you know, Sosa didn't, you know, from between May 16th and May 22nd, Sosa didn't hit a home run. Uh, the next day, May 23rd, McGuire hits two home runs against the Giants. <laughs> Number 22nd against former West Virginia football coach Rich Rodriguez. No, I'm just kidding. That's not the same Rich Rodriguez, but I just want to throw it out there. Just be silly. Against Rich Rodriguez, and that only went 356 feet. That wasn't even that far. And then the second one against John Johnstone. Never heard of him. That's on the 23rd. On the 23rd. He had two home runs on the 23rd. Griffey also had one on the 23rd. All right. Against the Padres. Against the Padres. Oh, interleague. And then the next day, he also had another one against the Padres. All right, so where are we on for Griffey? Uh, we are at... Pushing 20s. Okay, yeah. 24th. McGuire hits a home run off Rob Nin of the Giants. So, that's that weekend series... He had four home runs in three days. McGuire was on fire, man. May 25th, the next day, McGuire hits number 25 against the Rockies. John Thompson, never heard of him. Also that day, Sammy Sosa hits two home runs, number 10 and number 11 against the Braves. One against the person we already mentioned, Kevin Millwood, and then the second one against Mike Cather. Never heard of him. Or maybe it's Cather. C-A-T-H-E-R. I don't remember him. 
And they both like 410, 420 feet. Yeah. Wednesday, May 27th. Sosa also Sosa again hits two home runs in the game, number 12 and number 13, at the friendly confines of Wrigley Field against uh, the Phillies, Darren Winston, number 12, and then the 13 was Wayne Gomes. Again, another name mentioned. And then May 29th, McGuire hits number 26 at Qualcomm Stadium. And then the next day, he hits number 27, May 30th. Against Andy Ashby of the Padres. That's a name I haven't thought of in a while. So, Griffey catching up. He had one on the 24th in Seattle against the D-Rays. Yeah. And he doesn't have another one until the last day of the month. Yeah. So, at the end of May, McGuire has 27 home runs. I've got Griffey at 19. Okay. And Sammy had 13. Right? So, Sammy's like 14 behind Mark and like 6 behind Griffey. So, nobody's thinking about Sammy Sosa at this point in the ball game. But then the month turns to June. And this is where Sammy Sosa gets into the conversation. And this is kind of where Griffey fades away, even though he had 14 home runs in June. Right. Putting him at 33 on the year. Right. This is when Sammy Sosa comes out. Monday, June 1st. Sammy Sosa hits two home runs uh, against the Marlins, number 14 and number 15. First one was against Ryan Dempster, who later pitched for the Cubs and does a Harry Carey impression for some reason. And uh, the second one is against Oscar Henrique. Or no, Henriquez, excuse me. And so, you know, he's got 14-15. Uh, two days later on June 3rd, Sosa hits number 16, against Levon Hernandez. Once again, a name we mentioned, we're probably going to mention him again in this book. It's been quite some time since I've read the book, so, you know, I don't remember how many times, how many pitchers have been there multiple times. Well, if you're times. playing a National League circuit, so these hitters are going to say, face the same guys anyway. Right, you know, it's just it was just going to happen, you know. Friday, June 5th, McGuire hits number 28 against Oral Hershiser. Now, that's a name I've heard for it because he's... 409 used- foot. When Hershiser was playing for the Giants. Right. You know, most people think of Hershiser as an Indian or a Dodger, but near the end of his career, he was a Giant. But of course, that's a name I always remember because he used to be a broadcaster for ESPN. He's been in the public consciousness for quite some time. That's a name I'll remember. It's not something I'm going to forget. You know. Same day, Sosa hit one 370 foot off Jim Park. Yep. Which was- I have a problem not relating with Parkman from the uh, Major League movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um,. And that was 370 foot, and that, what, tied him at 28? No, Sosa hit number 17. 17, 17, you're right. Sosa hit 17, McGuire hit 28 on June 5th. June 6th. I got my columns crossed up, sorry. It's all good. Now, this was a, now this, they're doing air league play. They played the Chicago White Sox at Wrigley. So, they hit 17, June 5th. June 6th, he hit number 18. And then the next day, June 7th, Sosa hit number 19. And so he had another weekend series where he hit a home run each game. Monday, June 8th, McGuire hits number 29. And they played the White Sox in the early game at the new Comiskey, which is now guaranteed rate field, which I – stupid. Anyway, and that – I think we covered that earlier. <laughs> yeah, we, we've already talked about that. We don't need to go into it again. 
But they played the, the, the Cardinals played the White Sox at, that day after they got done playing the Cubs, you know, that weekend. And McGuire hits number 29. Sosa hits number 20. Off LaTroy Hawkins. That's a name. That's another name. That's another name at the Metrodome against the Twins. Another interleague name. He was one of those first African-American pitchers that I remember growing up. Yeah. It was like, here's a solid ironclad reliever that's going to bring the noise every day. Tough guy, going to get you out. Yeah. He was a gamer, man. He was a good, yes. very good pitcher. But he's one of those first that I remember. Right. So, June 8th, Maguire 29, Sosa number 20. Uh, two days later on June 10th, Maguire hits number 30, once again at Comiskey Park. Off of Jim Park, who um, Sammy hit his 17th off of. Yep. Two days later, June 12th, at they're playing the brand new Arizona Diamondbacks because they, they were an expansion oh, team that, that expansion year. They were expansion team that year. This was their first ever season. The Cardinals' first ever trip to Bank One Ballpark in Arizona. McGuire hits number 31 off Andy Bennis, and that went 438 feet. I think, and that was also a grand slam. He got four RBIs out of that. The next day, June 13th, Sosa starts his tear right here. Right. Sosa hits number 21 against the Phillies against Mark Portugal. That's a name I haven't thought. That's another name. And then, two days later, the 15th, he hits three home runs off of the same guy. Cal Eldred. 420, 410, 415. Cal I'm Ed- willing to bet they were to a similar part of the park. And that he, he picked up three home runs in the race right there in one day. Cal Eldred had a very bad day on June 15th. He pitched for the Milwaukee Brewers. Mm-hmm. He had a very bad day on June 15th. He probably does never want to think about that day again in his career. I don't know, I don't know how long he played in the major leagues. But he's probably a day that he would like to forget. It was June 15, 1998. He gave up three to Sammy. He four, gave 410, 420, and 415. Yeah. He probably And I'm willing to bet they might be in the same section of the ballpark. Because that seems how it seems to go when these hitters are seeing beach balls. Yeah. Without going back and looking at it, I couldn't tell you. But I'd be willing to bet on it. Yeah. I mean, you know. Uh, and then two days later, on June 17th, McGuire hits number 32. Against Jose Lima. It's Lima time. Lima time. Rest in peace. And uh, at the Astrodome in, in Houston against the Astros. And that same day, Sammy Sosa hits number 25 against Ronswell Patrick of the Milwaukee Brewers. Then the next day, you got McGuire off Shane Reynolds, still at the Astrodome, number 33. Yep. June 19th, which... That was in June 19th, 1998. That was 20 years to the day that the cartoon Garfield came out. I love that. Yeah, it came out on June 19th, 1978. And on this day, June 19th, 1998, that Garfield was 20 years old. That's a random fun fact, but, you know, I love Garfield too. So it's. Yeah, tell somebody that on the way out. Yeah. So that's a, you know, I'm a history. I, I, yeah, I know dates and all that shit. Anyway, so June 19th, Sammy Sosa hits two home runs, number 26 and number 27. Both 380 foot, both yeah. off the same guy Carlton, against the Phillies. Yeah, Carlton Lower, L-O-E-W-E-R. I hate to see that again. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's a Phillies fan. I forgot. Saturday, June 20th, Sosa hits number 28 and number 29. Off First one off, Matt Beach. And the second one, Toby Vorland. I 
feel like this is where Sammy's really making this ground is these multi home run days. Yeah. Because he go two or three between, but then he's gonna pop off two, and then but he's had back to back two home run games, and then in the week previous he had a three home run game. Yeah. So I feel like that's where he's really chipping away. He's chipping away. As at Griffey's it. still hitting good numbers, this is where he's making his appearance into this race. And really, you know. Yeah, and get, then getting his totals up. And then on Sunday, June twenty first, Sammy hit number thirty against Tyler Green of the Phillies. So in a weekend, he hit five home runs in three days. It's not a bad day at the office, by the way. Not That's not a bad day at the office at all. Heck of a business trip. Right, Sammy is gaining ground quickly. Wednesday, June twenty fourth. So last time McGuire hit in June eighteenth. So June twenty fourth, McGuire hits number thirty four. Against Jared Wright of the Cleveland Indians at Jacobs Field. Then Sammy comes back and hits another one the same day. At Tiger Stadium. At Tiger Stadium off Seth Griesinger. Yep, number 31. That's number 31. So he's narrowed the gap. He's narrowed the gap. Next day, June 25th, McGuire hits number 35. Sosa hits number 32. They're both playing the Indians and the Tigers. Tip, yeah, tip for tat. June 27th, McGuire hits 36 at the Metrodome. But then, once again, on the 30th, McGuire hits one off Gunn and Rush against the Royals. Yep, number 37. 472 foot. But guess who hits another one that day? Sammy Sosa, number 33 against Dimebacks. So off we, of Allen Embry. Right. <laughs> so, we, so we end June 98. McGuire's at 37. Sosa's at 33. So at this point, how many, how many homers did Griffey had? I've at, got it calculated at 33. 33. Okay, so... Griffey's still in the hunt, but Sammy Sammy Sosa has made his presence known. Month of June was Sammy month. Right, now everybody's talking about Sammy Sosa in this race. 37, 33, 33. All right, so... Let's see, did I skip something? No. So, they, neither, neither McGuire or Sosa hit another home run until July 9th. Sosa hits number 34 at County Stadium, Milwaukee County Stadium, against Jeff Juden of the Brewers. Next day, July 10th, Sammy hits number 35, again against the Brewers, against a guy named Scott Carl. See, Sammy, it seems like it's just very streaky. I'm either seeing beach balls and going yard, or I'm just going to be a productive hitter and I'm not going to go yard. It just yeah. seems that's the way his season went. You know, it's just how, sorry. Whoops. It was very, it was very surgy. And the way he hit his home runs. I'm going to yeah. he hit his, his balls. For, for sure. I'm yeah. going to hit three or four in a row. And then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be productive. And he was never a slouch shooter the whole season. But no. I'm going to have a few play appearances before I really see another beach ball. Yeah. So July, and then McGuire hits his, the next one McGuire hits is July 11th. Against, at number 38, against reliever Billy Wagner. Of the Houston Astros, he was a great relief pitcher back in the day. Now I remember Billy because he played for the Braves briefly, as well. The very end of his career, yeah. Yeah, I remember going off subject. I remember getting Sports Illustrated for kids, had a subscription to it, and they had a they had an article about Billy Wagner and like his day to day thing, like you know going to the ballpark and back. And this was like in the early two thousands when they moved from the Astrodome to. Enron slash Minute Maid Park. Yeah, 
you know, and it was very cool and it was very pictorial. Like, oh, he's doing this. Oh, he's making his kids lunch and he's going to the game. He put on his uniform. It was really cool. So that's pro ball player, also a dad. So the name Billy Wagner brings back a memory, a good memory of mine in my childhood of reading SI for kids. It's nostalgia. It's nostalgia, you know. So if you've ever read SI for kids back in the day, you understand where I'm coming from. It was great, great. But anyway, okay, so after McGuire hit number 38, the next day, July 12th, McGuire hits number 39 and number 40 against the Astros. What was that? Yep. Yep. The first one was 405 foot off of Sean Bergman. And I read that name, I immediately went to Bregman. Right. Alex <laughs> Bregman, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and the second one was off Scott Ellerton. Yeah, Ellerton. That's wrong, but that was 39 and 40. If Scott Ellerton or Ellerton is listening to this podcast, Please email or contact us and tell us how to pronounce your name. Baseball, HIS101 at gmail.com. Exactly. Just in case he's listening. All right. July 17th. Five days without one. He hit two more. He hit two more. 41 and 42 against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Brian Bohannon, which is another name I hadn't thought of in a long time. And Antonio Osuna. Which I, I couldn't place that. And that same day, Sosa hits number 36 against Kurt Ohala. Or Ojala, O J A L A. Let's say Wahala. Wahala, yeah. That's what I'm going to go with. At Pro Player Stadium in Miami, now called Hard Rock Stadium, and it looks completely different than what it looked like in 98. Yeah, back in 98, it was weird. It was transformable. Right. It was like a moving stadium. Of course, this stadium start was originally. It was a convertible stadium before convertible stadiums were cool. Yeah. This that It started as Joe Robbie Stadium, and it's changed its name, I think, altogether like nine times. It seems like nine times. It's way too much. That's why I don't... This is why I don't like corporations taking the naming rights. It's, just, it's stupid. Anyway, that's my... It, it, we're I think on. the new Braves stadium should be named Turner Field 2. Yeah, or Hank Aaron Stadium or something yeah. like that. But there's too much money in the rights, and I understand. It's, it's a business. Yeah, anyway. July 20th, McGuire hits number 43 against Brian Boehringer at Qualcomm Stadium. Two days later, July 22nd, Sosa hits number 37 against Miguel Batista at Wrigley Field of the Mont- Miguel Batista Montreal Expos. Uh, let's see. Fast forward four days, McGuire against John Thompson of the Rockies. Another name we already mentioned. <laughs> There's a four- lot of repeat names in this because you're playing that National League circuit, which we mentioned earlier. You're going to see a lot of the same arms. Yeah. And there's certain arms in baseball yep. that I think benefit from Changing leagues, a la Craig Kimbrell, I think it benefits him going to the American League because he's unseen these Nino hitters so many times. Yeah, but that's you know. a different conversation, different day. Right. Craig, if you're listening to this, we love you. Anyway. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Lehigh, tell him to dive in. Yep. Uh, so he, the McGuire hit 44 night in July 26th. Sosa hit number 38 against Rick Reed of the New York Mets. That's another name. I... Rick Reed. I remember him being a, like a middle reliever kind of guy. Next day, July 27th, Cubs are at Bank One Ballpark. Once again, brand new ballpark. Sosa hits 39 and number 40. First one against Willie Blair, which went 350 feet. Here we are again with Sosa and these multi-home run days. That's where he made his money, when he was seeing beach balls. Yeah, which compared to the other distances we've mentioned, 350 is not a lot. 
<laughs> and it's not, but it's, it could be a fist scraper, but it's still a dinger. Yeah. And number 40 was against Alan Embry, which went 420 feet. July 28th, which was, which July 28th is my aunt's birthday. That's the day I always remember. Not, well, she wasn't born in 98, but you know, July, July 28th is my aunt's birthday. July 28th is the day Mark McGuire hit a 408-foot home run off of a um, movie villain. <laughs> Mike Myers <laughs> of the Brewers, number 45. And that same day, Sosa hit number 41 against Bob Wolcott of the Diamondbacks, once again at Bankwood Ballpark. That's another name we've already seen because I've already clicked on it once and it's purple now. Oh, so. that's right. Bob <laughs> Wolcott, yeah. Name. July 31st. Sosa hits number 42 against Jamie Wright of the Rockies at Wrigley Field. So to end July, McGuire is at 45 home runs. And Sosa is at 42 home runs. It's getting real. Sammy is catching up. He is, like I said, that big month in June really helped him. And McGuire got cold for, you know... A few days in, in the end of July. Or, you know, in, in the month. So, Sammy's catching up. He's gaining ground. And, Patrick, since you're covering Mr. Griffey, how many homers? He is now at 41. He's at 41. So, all together, McGuire at 45, Sosa at 42, Griffey at 41 to end the month of July. Yeah, Griffey had a July total of eight home runs. 97 at-bats, 22 runs, 34 hits, 6 doubles, a triple, 21 ribbies, 18 walks, mm-hmm. 18 strikeouts. And we should mention the 98 home run derby at Coors Field in Colorado. Griffey wins that one. I think McGuire was in there, but Sosa did not participate. Griffey does win the 98 home run derby. Yeah. Um, also, can we talk about Ken Griffey, the month of July is what we just did, right? Yeah, month of July, yep. He, his on-base percentage was 462. So don't think he had a slouch month just because he, his batting average for the month was 351. His slugging was 680, and his on-base percentage was 462. Yeah. So don't think he had a slouch month just because he is fading from the home run race. If he, you know, just because he's not hitting as many home runs, he's still contributing to the team. It was arguably the best month of his season. Because the month before he had a 349 OVP with a 264 average, he had a 376 OVP the month before that. Yeah, so just because he's not quite keeping up in the home run race, you can't discount the fact that the man is a almost 400 on base percent guy. Yeah. He's on base four out of ten times. Money ball is play. Yep. And so now we get to August. August 5th, Sammy hits number 43 against Andy Bennis. Once again, of the Diamondbacks at Wrigley Field. 380 feet. Saturday, August 8th, McGuire hits his 46th home run, his first home run of the month, against Mark Clark of the Chicago Cubs at Bush Stadium. That same day, Sammy Sosa hits number 44 against Rich Crowshore. Crowshore? C-R-O-U-S-H-O-R-E. Once again, if Rich... Rich... Crowshore is listening to this podcast. Contact us and tell us how to pronounce your name. And he, you know, and, it, and that went 400 feet. McGuire's went 374 feet. 
Moving on. Monday, August 10th. Sosa hits two home runs against the Giants at, well, it was called Three Comp Park then, but we all know it is Candlestick Park. First one, 45 against Russ Ortiz. The second one against Chris Brock. The Ortiz home run went 370 feet. The Brock home run went 480 feet. At this point in the ball game, Sosa is tied with McGuire. They both have 46 home runs on August 10th, 1998. So that Russ Ortiz, yeah. when I was at, um, what is it, AT&T Park now? Yes. Used well, to be Qualcomm. What is it? Oh, now it's, it's, no, it's no, no. Oracle now. It's Oracle. It's Oracle. It started as Pac Bell, and now it's Oracle. And then it was Qualcomm. And it was no, no, Qual- Qualcomm was San Diego. You're right. All yeah. Right. They have a Russ Ortiz plaque on the Walk of Champions outside also. Yeah. Uh, well, I was there at the, what, end of September? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really cool seeing all that. But they have a Russell Ortiz block out there also. Well, good for him. Okay, August 11th, McGuire answers. He hits number 47 against Bobby Jones of the Mets. We're not... 464 yeah. footer. Yeah, we're, we're not talking about the great golfer Bobby Jones either. That was a long time ago. <laughs> the Five days later, on August 16th, Sammy ties McGuire... He hit his 47th home run against Sean Bergman, not Bregman, Bergman of the Houston Astros at the Astrodome. Once again, they're tied. Sammy has, Mark responded, and Sammy answered his response. So I think this is about the time. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. It might have been about a month later. Who knows? Remember when we were kids watching this? For reference, Matthew and I are, we're just going to call it both 30. Right. We're right at 30 years old. And I remember watching, it could have been Tiddlywinks on ABC in the afternoon, but McGuire and Sosa were coming to bat. And this is about the time in the race where I think they started cutting in and putting a little box in the corner. Here's the home run race. Yep. <sighs> You'd be watching the Braves game and be like, hey, here's what's going on in St. Louis. Yeah. This is about when that started happening, I think. So there's a quote that Sammy said, I guess, in the, on the page that talks about them being tied at 47. Excuse me. And it says, Mark McGuire is 34 years old. I'm tw- I'm sorry, I'm burping. I'm 29. He's probably a little bit tired. I'm just having some fun. And that's what Sammy Sosa did. That man loved to have fun in the ballpark. But anyway, but that was the quote that's on the page where they're both at number at 47 home runs. Moving on. August 19th, McGuire hits 48 and 49 against the Cubs at Wrigley Field. That same day, Sosa hits number 48. Now, Sosa, so Sosa hit his home run in the fifth inning of that game. They were playing each other. They were playing each other. Sosa hit that home run to take the lead, right, in the fifth inning. McGuire ties it at 48 in the 8th inning, and then in extra innings in 10th inning, he hit 49. Off of another name we're all going to remember, Mr. Terry Mahon. Terry Mahon, who played for the Braves in the Giants, too. And now in, in the Cubs. Uh, yeah, in the Cubs. The Cubs at the end of his career, right? Yeah, I believe. Yeah, it was near the end of his career. So, yeah. 
That was an exciting day, Wednesday, August 19th. And then McGuire hit two more the next day against the Mets off of Willie Blair and Rick Reed, 369, 390, respect, 393, respectively. So 50 and 51. McGuire's the first to cross the 50 home run platform this year. I'm yeah. Not, yeah, plateau. I'm sorry, 50 home run plateau. Either yeah. way. Either way. You, you, you know what I'm saying. And so two guys we already mentioned, Rick Reed, Willie Blair, he hit him off them. Back to back. Right. And so that was on 20th. August 21st, Sammy hits number 49. The next day. Oral I can't believe Oral Hershiser was still pitching then. I always view Oral Hershiser as like an older cat. Yeah. And I forget that telling you his career, the beginning of our baseball careers, uh, is famous. Yeah. And like, you know, Hers- he started with the Dodgers. He was on their 88 World Series championship team. He was with the Indians when they won the pennant in 95 and played the Braves. You know, Hershiser's has been around. I've got an autographed ball of his on my uh, trophy shelf at my parents' house in my childhood bedroom. That's all. Awesome. I, I need to get all that crap. Yeah, if you're gonna, yeah, if you're gonna move, you know, or like just move, totally move out of your parents, you should bring, you should get that. Yeah, they, they're, they're still a little bit of a storage, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Anyway, August twenty second. Uh, so so it's number forty nine on the twenty first against Hershiser. the twenty second. McGuire hits number 52 against Francisco Cordova of the Pittsburgh Pirates at Three Rivers Stadium. And then... Ricardo Rincon gives one up to McGuire the next day. 393-footer. Number 53 on August 23rd. That same day, Sammy Sosa has crossed the 50-home run threshold. He hits Once fi- again, off of Jose Lima. Yep, twice. Lima time. Lima time. He hits 50, number 50 and 51 that day. Wasn't Lima a closer? Or was he like a reliever, middle reliever? I want to say he was a middle reliever. Why are you facing closer. this man twice is what I'm trying to ask about Jose Lima. Well, well, I know he was a bullpen guy. It was in the fifth inning and then the eighth inning as well. So I, maybe he was a starter then and then he went to the bullpen later in his career. I don't uh, remember. No. I don't, it's been a long time since I've thought about Jose Lima. I just remember coming, him coming out of the pen as a kid. It's Lima time. Yeah, I remember when he passed away, like in two thousand nine or two thousand ten or something yeah, like that. That's and like, him. and like my one of my friend Nick Jackson, who I went to UNA with briefly, and he texted me he's like, "Hey, did you hear about Jose Lehman died?" I was like, "Yeah, that's very sad. You know, he had a heart attack or something." That was like, just hard to believe because he was fairly young when he passed away, and I was just like, "Shit," you know. Makes you wonder what else was going on. Could be. Yeah. You know. I'm not gonna get into that, but it could it, it could be. Anyway, sorry, going off subject. Going back to the subject. Wednesday, August 26th, McGuire hits 54 against Justin Spear at uh, the Florida Marlins. That goes 509 feet. Like I said, the man can hit 500 feet home runs. That same day, Sammy Sosa hits number 52 against Brett Tomko. That's another name that rings a bell. Yes. I know. I believe I had a card of Brett Tomko. I, that name brings back memories. Uh, Brett, he did well for his name only to show up on this list once, by the way. Right. <laughs> uh, so he hits number 52. And then two days later on the 28th of August, Sammy hits 53 against John Thompson once again at Rockies, uh, against the Rockies at Coors Field. August, oh, Brett Tomko showed up twice. Damn it. <laughs> oh, okay. That's all good. And then you got Daryl Kyle. Against old man Dennis Martinez, who... Pitched a long, long time. He also pitched for the Indians in 95. 
McGuire hits 55 off Dennis Martinez, who at the time was pitching for the Braves. And then Sosa hit one off Daryl Kyle. So um, that was 54. Day, Rest in peace. He died while he was with the Cardinals. Yeah. That, and there's a lot of sketchy stuff about that. And Once again, I don't want to get into it. But, uh, yeah, that, that's not what this podcast is about. Right. So that was 50. So August 33rd. Oh, I'm see, sorry. Were, August. I think the Cardinals retired December 54 jersey, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was 57. 57, that's it. Yeah, with the black, it's in black, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like the other ones. Anyway, so August 30th, McGuire hits 55, Sosa hits 54. The next day, August 31st, Sosa hits number 55, once again against Brett Tomko of the Reds. They end August, McGuire and Sosa in the month of August, tied at 55 home runs. And this is where the fun began. Right. This is where every kid, me and Matthew's age, was glued to the television, watching baseball, making us baseball fans. If it hadn't been for this summer, I might not have had my career, and Matthew might not have an interest in baseball he has now. Right. Just because of this next month that we're about to cover. Yeah. I mean, this is a factor of why I just... This is arguably the most exciting month of baseball in the last 30 years. Around this time in elementary school, all my friends... Cared about sports and baseball. And at that time, I decided, you know what? One way to make friends is to care about sports. That's my life lesson. If you want to make friends at an early age, care something about sports. It may, it, sports isn't for everybody, but it's a good conversation starter, and it could lead to friendships like Patrick and I have since middle school, ever since playing Babe Ruth ball. For Coach Henderson. For Coach Henderson, you know. Back in the day, sports is a good way. Either talking about sports or playing sports is a good way to start friendships. Every time I see Coach, I'm just like, no, just call me Tim. No, be Coach. Yeah, I know, right? Same thing with Coach Stewart. Yeah, I mean, it's just... <laughs> so, they're both tied at 55. And McGuire's about to go on a tear right here. He hits two on September 1st. One against Nivon Hernandez. That's a name most of y'all at home are going to know. Yep. Um... Of the Marlins at that time, and then the same day he hit, that was 450 footer, and then he hit 472 footer off a guy named Don Paul, P A L L, D O N N P A L L. What a name. Um, I'm, I'm assuming he was like a spot reliever or something, you know, one of the guys that had his cup of coffee in the league. Yeah, so that was 56 and 57. And then the next day, he hit two more off of Brian, 497 and 458 off Brian Edmiston and Ron Senator, putting him at 59 55. Yeah, but that same but the same day, Sosa hit one off Jason Berry. Yeah, of the Reds, put it in the fifty-six. Now you have to understand. At that point in time, if at least for the National League season, single season home run record, it was fifty-six, and it was set by Hack Wilson in nineteen thirty. Now we mentioned Hack Wilson before in the Lou Gehrig podcast because Hack Wilson had one hundred ninety-one RBIs in the season that same year 1930 and Garrick had like 184 and 85 so he was like six short of Hack Wilson's all-time RBI his single season RBI record so Sammy in the in this book Sammy's got a quote about Hack Wilson somebody asked him about Hack Wilson and Sammy says and I quote I know a little about Hack because his picture is next to is next to my locker I am lucky to be there at the right time people will now remember two guys Hack Wilson and myself, and the season is not over yet. And another thing, going back to when McGuire hit, when he passed, uh, it, but 
the last time a Cardinal hit 40 home runs in a season was Johnny Mize, who's in the Hall of Fame. It was in 1940, and he hit 43 home runs. That was the most home runs a Cardinal player ever hit in a, se- in a season. 43. 43, yeah. Mize led the league in home runs that year. And McGuire just blew that out of the water. <laughs> I guess Pujols is probably the only other Cardinal that's done it. Yeah. I, guess. I mean, like, and Johnny Mize is in the Hall of Fame because he was a power hitter. You know, great, great player. Power hitter before power hitters. Yeah. To, well, I mean, there was Ruth and Garrett before him, but still, you know. Before it was a standard, every team had that guy. Right. And yeah. Mize, you know, he was successful with the Cardinals and the Giants, and then he won – Near the end of his career, he was on the Yankees and when they won five straight World Series from 49 to 53. So he got five World Series rings out of the Yankees being a bit player, you know, but still. Anyway, I just want to throw that out there because both McGuire and Sosa broke Hack Wilson's 56 uh, National League all-time, uh, all-time, all-time single-season home run record of 56 home runs. You know what I'm getting at when I say power hitter before power hitter. Because today you have guys on your roster that are power hitters just to be power hitters. Right. And, they, and back then it was a little more well-rounded ball game, if I'm not mistaken. Right. You could hit for power and average like Ruth yeah. and Garrick did. But you, you don't know. see as much of that now. Unfortunately, that's – you know, Pujols did it before he got traded to the Angels. You know. I loved him coming back this way a little bit. Now. I feel like he, there's so much wasted potential with the Angels. Anyway, get on subject. Different story. Different story, different time. So – that was September. That's not history. That's correct. <laughs> right. So that's September second. Fifty nine for McGuire. Fifty six for Sosa. September fourth. Sosa hits number fifty seven against Jason Schmidt of the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's at, another name at Three River Stadium. That's another childhood name. All right. September fifth. This is a big day. Mark McGuire hits sixty. Against Dennis Reyes of the Cincinnati Reds at Bush Stadium. He was at home when he hit number 60. And it went 381 feet. Only 381 feet. That same day, Sosa hits number 58 against Sean Lawrence of the Pirates. 417 footer. Well, that's his 405, but it's probably 417. I don't know. Maybe they changed the differences. Um, I guess we both researched different Yeah. (laughs) And so, McGuire has a quote about reaching 60. I guess somebody asked him about Babe Ruth. They didn't mention Maris in this one, but they talked about Babe Ruth. Uh, McGuire says, and I quote, after getting to 60, Babe Ruth, what can you say? I'm almost speechless. To hear my name alongside his, I wish I could go back in time and meet him. That's a lot of people these days. <laughs> go back in time and meet various Hall of Famers. Well, like I'd Ruth. love to have a hot dog in a stove with Babe Ruth. Yeah, I mean, that's it's Babe Ruth, man. Sultan Swat. Sultan Swat. Cost us the clout. Cost clout. The. Do I need to do the whole uh, Sandlot Skitter business? Yeah, we're, we're not gonna go there. No. <laughs> All right, big day Monday, September seventh, at Bush Stadium. Isn't it nice that he gets to do this at Bush Stadium? Off of Mike Morgan against the Cubs. I'll never forget they're playing the right. Cubs. He ties Roger Maris. Mark McGuire ties Roger Maris. The four hundred and thirty foot dinger. With a 430-foot D, you know, and it's just a big, big moment. And I think Roger Maris's family was there. Yeah, they were there. They were there. Right? And after he hits the home run, McGuire, you know, does the salute to the fans. You know, he went, and then he turns to Maris's family, which at the old Bush Stadium, the Colonel's dugout was on the first. Right? 
He gave him the salute. During the, uh, he turns to Maris's family, which are down the first base side, which is near the Cardinals dugout, and he gives the Maris family that salute, and it's something that the Maris family will always remember. It's just a great moment in baseball history. He's like, hey, I reached this plateau, and like he was just – you know, the Maris family just opened up to Mark and they were so supportive of Mark during this whole thing. And Mark was very supportive of them. And it was just a very nice moment. Kind of like in 2004 when Ichiro broke George Sisler's all-time single-season hits record in Seattle. The Sisler family was there. And, you know, Ichiro had a nice moment with them. They got a hug. And it was it's a similar moment. But, you know, you get what I'm saying. It's a similar moment. It was very touching. It was a great moment in baseball history. And so... And then the next day, when he actually broke the record. September 8th, 1998. Yes. 341-41 foot bomb off of Steve Trashel of the Cubs. Sammy was there. I think that made the whole deal better than being there. But yeah. I'll never forget, it went into one of those uh, Old Bush Stadium, those little boxes overlooking, uh, what was it, left center or did they go right center? I think it was, I think left, it was left center. Left center, yeah. I'll never forget, my family was in town from Birmingham. Yeah. And my dad called me, hey, McGuire's batting. Okay, I'm done playing outside. I have to come watch McGuire. I'll get this in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you did it. You know, I'll never forget it. It's just a great moment. And to do it, to do all this at Bush Stadium at home instead of like. With the guy he's competing against. Right. Sammy, who, who are, I'm guaranteed are lifelong friends. Right. Sammy Sosa was there, and it was a great moment. And Sammy, you know, could not have been so much happier for Mark. I mean, sure, I'm sure he would rather have broken it uh, before Mark did. But again, it was a great moment. It was a great season to be this far, to be both going for 60, 61. You know, it's just, it was a great, touching moment in baseball history. And um, I think Sammy took a little offense to it, though, because he had a heck of a three day tear after that uh, homestand in St. Louis. Yeah. And he hit four bombs in three days against <laughs> the Brewers to tie it back up at 62. Yes. Now, I, I want to say a quote that Mark said on this day, on September 8th. I'm sorry if we get back to it. This is from the book that I'm reading. Mark says, What a perfect way to end the homestand by hitting 62 for the city of St. Louis and all the fans. I truly wanted to do it here, and I did. Thank you, St. Louis. And like like we said, you know, it's just a remarkable. And I think Bud Selig said some words Bud Selig was actually there. Uh, at least it, it's not it's not shown in the book, but in the documentary that I watched on YouTube last night, he was there and he said some words, which makes you think. The commissioner always seems to be there at those big moments. Right, and then it's like, well, he wasn't. I don't think he was there when Barry hit seventy three. Like broke. Uh, I know he wasn't there when Barry broke the all time home run record. I don't know if he was there when. Well, that's a tough one because you might not be able to go to six straight games and wait on the guy to hit that home run. You right, know? you know, it's understand. Anyway, we're and um, Roger Maris Jr. had a quote. He said, "I don't think he, referring to his dad, wanted his record to be broken. I think he would be happy for Mark and proud of his accomplishments. He would have been proud of Mark as a player, but I think more so as a person. Just the way he—they're both very. It was great." Anyway, so we're going back to Sosa. Yeah, he... Um, September 11th, he's 59. 11th, 59, 12th, 60. And this was at... 13th, 61, 62. Yeah, and he hit 59, 60. He hit all... 59, 60, 61, 62. He, said he hit all of them at home at Wrigley Field. He tied Mark 
was 62 at this point. And um, it's not going to be the last time they're tied this season either. Right. You know, it's just, and for Sammy to do that at home was great. And um, I, almost, I feel like, I feel like just looking at it, and I, I'm trying to remember as much as I can of being a kid watching it, but you almost feel like he's fired up. He watched this guy do it. He's like, oh, I'm yeah. going to do you one better. And Sammy, and Sammy has a quote when he gets to 62. He says, at first I thought 61 was something special. The 61 was something that reminded me of Mark. He hit 61 and 62 against us. And then I got to 62. It was something unbelievable. I couldn't believe I was doing. I couldn't believe what I was doing. I couldn't believe what was happening. And just, you know, Sammy's like, Mark, you know I love you. It's been unbelievable. I wish you could be here with me today. You know, like like he was before that, earlier that month. Uh, like in person. Like in person, you know. Yeah. I know you are watching me, and I know you have the same feeling for me as I have for you in my heart. They they really just, you know, the way that even though it was a rivalry, but it was a very friendly rivalry to get to 62. And the, there was it seemed like there was no hate. But anyway, so 63, September 15th, Mark McGuire hits number 63 against Jason Christensen of the Pittsburgh Pirates. The next day on September 16th, Sosa hits number 63 against Brian Boeringer, Padres at Qualcomm Stadium. They're tied at 63, which at this point we all knew. Yeah. September 18th, McGuire hits 64 Roque. of the Milwaukee Brewers at County Stadium. Old Milwaukee County Stadium. And then the next day, no, I'm sorry, two days later on the 20th, September 20th, McGuire hit 65 against Scott Carl, the Brewers. And that went 420 feet. What's cool about this is these guys were both in the NL Central, so they faced all the same pitching. So these same guys. Right. They know just what. got reamed all year. <laughs> <laughs> these poor guys. And then three days later on September 23rd, Another one off Rafael Roque, 340-foot by Sammy. <laughs> yep, Sammy hits number 64 against Rafael Roque and 65 against Rodney Henderson. He had two home runs that day. So he ties Mark once ties again on September 23rd. And, you know, this is just at the same place Mark was just at, at County Stadium in Milwaukee. They, you know. And then on the 25th in the afternoon game, Sammy Sosa went Lima time. Right. And then he had to leave for the first time all season. 66-65, just for McGuire to hit one in the nightcap off of Shane Bennett from the Expos, 375 foot, to tie it back up at 66-66. Now, un- unfortunately for Sammy Sosa, September 25th, this was his last home run of the season. 66 home runs, a hell of an accomplishment. Yeah. Well, there were only two more days left in the season. Yeah. Now... Looking back on it, Mark says what he, referring to Sosa, what he and I have done, whoever's on top, nobody should be disappointed. How can you walk away disappointed if you walk away one below? You can't. It's impossible. And I think that's a great way to, you know. And then, you know, just, uh, you know. And then, so after September 25th, the next day, September 26th, McGuire hits number 67 and 68 against the Montreal Expos 
against uh, Dustin Hermanson and then against Kirk Bollinger, Bollinger at Bush Stadium. So and then the 27th, he did, it's two more are still against the Expos. So Mike Thurman, another name I remember from childhood, and Carl Pavano, another name. Another name, yeah, I remember Carl Pavano. And that puts him at 70. Right. And the home run race ends at 70, 66. Um, Griffey was 56 that year. He kind of lost traction down the stretch. But still nothing to sneeze at. 56. No, 56 year home run. Yeah. Right. And of course, McGuire, how lucky, how, how storybook ending it's for McGuire to hit most of these remarkable home runs, especially 60, 61, 62, and 69, 70 at Bush Stadium at home. You. <laughs> The, whoever made the schedule for the Cardinals in 98 could not have made a better schedule for the Cardinals in 98. So, now let's talk about their, all together, all their stats uh, of uh, McGuire and Sosa. Let's talk about what else they did that year. Because even though McGuire led the league in home runs, let's see what else he led in. I'm going to go to baseball reference. I'm trying to find the um, overall distance they hit because Mark McGuire seemed to hit a lot of 455, 480-foot home runs. Yeah. And Soso is hitting those 380, 390, 410 shots. I'm trying to find the overall mileage of how many home runs they hit. I'm sure that's a stat. So, I can't find it off thumb, but we might touch on that at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. So if anybody wanted to know. I'm not mistaken. Sammy Soso won the end on MVP that year. Yes, I was going to get to that. So, But let's, let's start with Mark first. 1998, in 155 games played, he had 152 hits and 509 at-bats, 21 doubles, no home run, uh, no, no, no triples, sorry. No yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a waste of an episode if we see if he hit. Anyway, 21 doubles, no triples. He led the league with 70 home runs, 147, uh, he had 147 RBIs. He stole one base. He walked 162 times, struck out 155 times, and he hit 299 with a 470 on base percentage, which led the league, a 752 slugging percentage, which also led the league, and an OPS of 1.222, an OPS plus of 216, which led the league. All, like, all four of those, the on base slugging, on base plus slugging, on base, on base plus slugging plus. You know, he led the league in all that as long as home runs. And uh, he was an all-star. And he finished second in MVP voting to Sammy. Same year, Sammy Sosa played 159 games. Mm -hmm. 722 played appearance, 643 at-bats. Which, for those of y'all know scorekeeping, a sacrifice or a walk does not count as an at-bat. Yeah. Um, 134 runs. 198 hits. 20 doubles. No, no triples. No triples. 66 homers. 158 are His he, run scored 134 and his RBI total 158. Both lead leading numbers. Yep. 18 stolen bases. He got caught stealing nine times, so he only had a 66%. But he stole more bases base. than McGuire for sure. Well, so yeah. easy to beat zero. Yeah. But McGuire's the third baseman. He's right footed, you know. Yeah. Um, 73 walks. He led the league three years in a row. From 97, 98, 99, with 174, 171, and 171 strikeouts, respectively. Which, those are current baseball numbers. Yeah. 
So nice. I guess it's an acceptable total these days in baseball. That's still pretty bad, though. Um, but he had, he had a uh, 308 average, 377 OBP, 647 slugging. 1.024 OP, OPS, OPS. on-base plus slugging. And then 160 OPS plus. And then he led the league in total bases with 416, which I, I don't remember how many McGuire had. I should have gone back there. He grounded into a double play 20 times, which... What's 66 times 4? So that's got to be at least half of that total. Yeah. And he won the MVP that year. And he helped the Cubs win the NL Central that year. They made the playoffs. And uh, that was the year that Kerry Wood won 20 games. I think that was a, he was a rookie that year. Yeah. Like, he, he had a great year. He may want to sign under that year, too. I don't remember. But Kerry Wood was great before Kerry Wood got injured. Him and Mark Pryor, they could have had better careers if they didn't get injured. But anyway, 98 was one hell of a baseball season. It will always, always be one of the best baseball seasons in baseball history, Major League Baseball history. I think if it wasn't for the 98 season, Matthew and I wouldn't have the love for baseball we have. we got some friends that listen. Um, Ian Tabor, for example, he's requested the subject about Lou Gehrig. I don't think if it wasn't for that season, he would be into baseball the way he is. A lot of the guys I grew up with, like I, like I, me and Matt were talking before the episode, I might have said it on the episode, that 1998 home run race was what Tiger Woods was for golf, but to baseball. Yeah. It brought a whole new generation of fans to love the game. And I don't care if McGuire or Sosa and other people did steroids. That's a different topic for a different episode. Right. But they did. Or cork their bats. Or cork their bats like Sam. You know, that's a special place in our childhood. And that nobody can take that away from us. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if they did steroids. They can't take take away that. It brought people together. And, you know, nobody gave a shit about steroids till the 2000s. So. Yeah. That was before steroids were technically illegal. Illegal by baseball, correct? Yeah, I mean, before they were became... They were testing, but it was for, like, street drugs. And, right. Hey, don't you do that. We'll wag the finger at you. Yeah, because they don't, you know... And, you know, I it's probably never going to happen because the Hall of Fame is run by writers. Uh, well, the, their vote, the Hall of Fame committees, voting committees are run by writers. Uh, but, you know, I think if it does... You know, if we're doing the odds, I think... This McGuire, Sosa, and other steroid users like Bonds and maybe even Conseco have a better chance of getting the Hall of Fame than Pete Rose does. I hate that. <laughs> Pete Rose is twice the ball player. Right. You know, even Hank Aaron, like in one of his last interviews before he died, last year he did an interview and I watched it. You know, somebody asked him if Pete Rose was getting Hall of Fame and Aaron said no. He, and he said either either the guy asked him or he just openly said, he's like, I think like Barry Bonds and the other steroids guys will get in the Hall of Fame before before Pete Rose does, you know, or something like that. If I can find the interview, I can I can show Patrick that. But yeah, it was I was pretty startling to hear Hank Aaron said that. Even my brother Josh, you know, he's I, I don't I don't remember if I said this in the podcast yet. I know I probably talked it before the podcast, but my brother Josh was like, you know what? I think that the Bonds and the steroids guys should get in the Hall of Fame. And I agreed. I was like, you know what? I, I don't have any pool at the Hall of Fame in that category. But if I had a say in the voting 
of the BBWA or even the veterans, well, the, one of the veterans committees, I would try to get them in because they did a lot for baseball. McGuire and it Sosa did a lot. It doesn't purely have to be statistics-based. Yeah. It can be about how you grew the game. Like, I'm a big NASCAR guy, and Dell Jr. just got in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. He wasn't that great as a driver at the Cup Series level. Right. But he's done a lot to grow the sport, and he's done a lot while he was in it, too, for the history of the sport. Yeah. And to teach people about the sport. So, it, just because you don't necessarily qualify, and you might have that rules, but the fact that you've got that many people in the game and you grew the sport has to be worth something. Right. And we're all human. We, you know, in baseball, players have always tried to find ways to get an edge over their competition. Steroids was one of that, right? And you know, if I pitched in college, I had pine tar in multiple locations in my body. Right. You know, if Major League Baseball really cared about steroids, they should have done something about that in the '80s when the, this whole thing started. Instead of like 20 years later, they're like, "Oh, the Mitchell Report." These guys use steroids. Steroids is bad. These guys are cheaters. Blah, blah, blah. They should have done something about that in the 80s. And I've talked with other my other friends about this, and most of them agree with me on that 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 uh, that situation that subject. So you can't punish somebody retroactively for something that was not illegal at the time. Right. That's just that's stupid. But you know, you get into like guys like A Rob that knew it was illegal and then deny, 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 or um, Brian Braun. Yeah. You know what? You knew it was legal. That's a little different of a story. Right. That's we can talk about that in a future episode because there's a lot to talk about in regards to that A Rod and Ryan Braun in particular. If you deny it and say it was a false test and you get caught again, ain't nothing but a liar to me, bro. But of course, you know, Rafael Palmero lied to Congress. That was and his son played at UAB. But anyway, look, to finish 98 home run season was one of the best seasons in baseball history, Major League Baseball history, bar none. And it's really what baseball needed at that time to bring the fan base back from the strike. Right. Because St. Louis Cardinals couldn't sell a damn ticket because they were hot in 94. And yeah. they couldn't sell, like, if I recall right, like 87% of their season ticket holders said, no, nah, we're good here. <laughs> we don't want those for when y'all come back. And the Cardinals weren't that great in the nineties, right? You know, this they was, had that one year where right. they were decent. And everybody was like, "No, we're out of here." And oh, by the way, the manager of the Cardinals at this time was Tony Larusa, who managed Mark McGuire in Oakland in, in you know in the late eighties, early nineties. So I think it benefited Mark to play for a manager that he knew, like Tony Larusa. You know, hundred percent, hundred percent. That yeah. drunk Mercedes driving a similar gun, I love him though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tony's Tony probably my favorite manager of all time. Yeah, I mean, the, the guy's number two on the all time wins list. He passed John McGraw. You know, he ain't going to catch Connie Mack, but. I always loved him because he wasn't afraid to uh, hit the pitcher in the seven hole. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like stuff like that, little small things. Yeah. But anyway, so I think that wraps up our episode. We have other, we, we got lots of topics to talk about in future episodes. Patrick and I will discuss what yeah, we're going we're to talk about. We're talking about doing some Steinbrenner and a bunch of other stuff. Like uh, the, or the 1969 uh, expansion teams. The expansion teams. And also. Free agency. Free agency is a good one. There's a bunch of them. And if you got any topics you want us to talk about, make sure you reach out to us at baseballhis101 at gmail.com. 
Make sure you like and subscribe on all of our media platforms. It's too many to name now, but I know we're on Spotify, Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, Google Podcasts, Anchor. Anchor. Russell's going to give me hell about the one I forgot, but Russell, you know what you listen on. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, y'all give us a like, subscribe. Um, help us keep growing this and maybe we can get better and be able to make out t-shirts and stuff one day but until we start making money we can't do all that yeah these things these things need time but still get well, the word out we appreciate y'all support thank you so much and we're getting there and until next time I'm Matt I'm Patrick I'm Matthew I'm Carter Matthew. that's Matthew <laughs> I'm Patrick I'm sitting here with Matthew and uh, we'll see y'all next time see you later His kids had won it, Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born, marijuana we would scorn, so down on the corner the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball, the man and Bobby Fella, the scooter, the barber and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Well, Casey was winning, Hank Aaron was beginning, one Robbie going out, one coming in. Kiner and Midget Goodell, the Thumper and Mel Parnell, and Ike was the only one winning down in Washington. I'm talking Baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Feller, the scooter, the barber, and the duke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey, and the duke. Now, my old friend, the bachelor, well, he swore he was the Oklahoma kid And Cookie played hooky To go and see the Duke And me, I always loved Willie Mann Those were the days Well, now it's the 80s And bread is the greatest And Bobby Bonds can play for everyone Rose is at the vet, Rusty again is a Met, and the great Alexander is pitching again in Washington. I'm talking baseball, like Reggie Cuisinberry, talking baseball, Carew and Gaylord Perry, Seaver, Garvey, Schmidt, and by the blue. If Cooper's town is calling, it's no fluke, they'll be with Will.